We are uh, continuing in our series entitled The Secret to Life, and we are going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus says, look, you want to have the secret to having a great life? Uh, I'm going to tell you about it. And we talked about the fact that the word that he uses there for what it means to have a great life is the Greek word, when you go back to the original text of the Bible, it's makarios, uh, which means that you won't just be blessed by God, you will be supremely blessed by God and have the best life ever. And so Jesus, in his sermon, strips away all of the preconceived ideas about what we think a successful life looks like, turns it upside down and says, here, here's what it really means to have a successful life. And it started with a call for anyone who is a follower of Jesus to live differently, to live counterculturally, to be salt and light and Then we looked at what it means to have an agape life uh, and a generous life. And then last week, Greg took us through uh, Jesus' model of what it looks like to pray. But the most important thing is the idea of maintaining that connection to God and having that kind of blessed life. And so this week, um, Jesus adds another element into the recipe for... um, for having that Makarios type of life. Um, And so in verse 25, we pick it up where we left off, and uh, Jesus says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not plant or harvest or store away food, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not work or make clothes for themselves, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers and the grasses of the field that are here today and tomorrow are thrown into the fire, how much more will he certainly care for you? Why do we have so little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Those are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Don't you believe that your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs? But here, here's the secret. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else. And all these other things, they'll come in time. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own set of problems. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, Before I forget, I wanted to uh, give a little bit of a plug for um, what we're doing Saturday night. we uh, are doing a benefit for our ministry called Nika Angels, which is the ministry we have down in, in Nicaragua. And um, we hate uh, raising money, and so we wanted to kind of wrap 
the whole thing into a beautiful event. And so we turn this room into a big wine tasting room. We bring in a lot of uh, premium wines. In fact, a buddy of mine who owns a vineyard in Napa is flying in wines, and he's actually going to be uh, doing uh, some of the pouring. And so it'll be a really cool thing. It'll be a great date night. Um, obviously, no kids. Um, but uh, we uh, want it to be a beautiful evening for you guys, so we hope you do that. You can get tickets um, through the app or online or, uh, I think, at guest services, so uh, make sure you uh, get that for this uh, Saturday night at 6. All right, so I read this passage, and um, most of the time when um, you hear sermons on this particular scripture, you hear messages that basically are kind of a let go and let God kind of a message, um, which is inherent in the passage that we should trust God and stop worrying, right? Um, But I believe that when I kind of spend more time in this scripture and as I've been kind of um, going through it, the, the sermon in its entirety, I realize that our anxiety, um, is really symptomatic of an underlying bigger issue. And much like suppressing a cough doesn't cure a cold, um, just focusing in on not worrying doesn't fix the underlying real problem in our lives. And when it really comes when you look at this passage in context, and we should always do that with Scripture, and so... You know, just before this passage that I started reading, Jesus is talking about storing up your treasures in heaven, getting your eyes in the right place. And then he goes into our favorite verse, right, of 24, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Right, so that's the message, and implying that we can get so tied to the stuff of this world that we lose our perspective and eventually lose our relationship with God, And then he launches right into from, you can't serve both God and money, therefore, so it's connected to that last uh, sentence, therefore I tell you this, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or what you're aware is not your life more than food and your body more than clothes, which to me um, says that the underlying issue that is causing the kind of anxiety that Jesus is describing in this passage is an issue of contentment or the lack thereof. Are we content with what we have where we feel like we're focusing our life on the right stuff and we're happy with where we're at? Or are we discontented and worrying about that which we don't have, and we seem that it seems like we are seldom ever satisfied. Here's the insane reality of the situation for us this morning. We're not sitting here asking, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or how am I going to get clothes, right? The insanity of our situation is, in comparison to the rest of the world, If you make more than $30,000 a year, you're in the top 5% of the richest people in the entire world. So all of us here sitting in this room are among some of the wealthiest people in the world. Doesn't feel like it, but it's true. It's absolutely true. 
And so when you think about it from that perspective, and we compare ourselves to the rest of the 95% of the population, we should be some of the most contented people on this planet. Right? Unfortunately, we don't look at it that way. What do we do? Instead of comparing ourselves to the 95% of the world, well, who do we compare ourselves to? We compare ourselves to the 1%. We compare ourselves to the richest of the rich. And we say, I want what they have. Without even knowing it, we fall into the grass is greener syndrome and we look across the fence at the neighboring property and go, huh, life's so beautiful over there. If I could just have what they have, if I could just keep up with them, then everything will be okay. And so in our world, instead of saying, what am I going to eat? We say, where are we going to go eat tonight? Elgin just doesn't have any good restaurants, do they? Instead of saying, what am I going to wear? We look in the mirror and say, man, I wish I could afford that Armani instead of this Target thing that I'm wearing. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we get into this, a lot of us get into this protectionistic bunker where we make a decision, whether conscious or unconscious, that I'm going to take care of me and mine, and that's what our life is going to be about. That dictates the entire rest of our lives. The issue for a lot of us is that somehow we've been led to believe that we should put our faith in that which we can see and touch, the tangible stuff of this world, because it's a whole lot safer than that which is unseen. I mean, what good is faith when you're trying to pay the bills, right? Maybe the problem is not that we have too much desire for the stuff of this world, but maybe maybe the thing is that we have too little desire for the stuff that has meaning or the stuff that's real, the stuff that doesn't seem very sexy. And so we find ourselves always wanting a little something more, something different, something wow. When the truth is that it's, it's the simple things that bring us true contentment and cause our hearts to overflow with a sense of Joy, because a Macario's life is a simple one. In the book of Genesis, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you look at the creation account, in every instance, when God created something, he spoke it into existence. He said, let there be birds of the air, and there they were, boom, birds were flying. He said, let there be dogs, and bam, there they were barking. But when it came to us, it was completely different. God said, I will make them in my own image. And so God reached down and from the ground, he formed with his own two hands a man. But after that man was completely formed physically, 
that man was still not in the image of God. We weren't even alive. Man is distinctly different from the rest of creation because it was not until the moment that God himself breathed into man what is called the breath of life that we became alive. And so we can conclude from that that the very breath of God flows through my lungs. It's his breath that keeps me alive. It's his breath that flows in the empty spaces of our lives that make us who we are. It's what we refer to as our spirit. That the image of God means that we were created as spiritual beings who were created for something more than just this world. And yet somewhere down the line, we lost it. We lost our spiritual self. And now it's easier to just go through the motions of life and just check out on anything even remotely spiritual. And so we bury our spirituality so far down that it isn't even detectable in our lives. And we're content to go through life even without even giving a thought to anything even remotely spiritual, other than perhaps coming to church on a Sunday morning. We go from day to day Checked out, not in tune to anything except the daily grind. Months pass. Years pass. And we look back and we go, how the heck did I get here? But every once in a while, life can be beautiful, can't it? Every now and then, we get a reminder of who we really are. When you least expect it, you hear something that comes through so loudly. You see something that you've never experienced in this way before. Maybe it comes in the drama of a beautiful sunset. Or maybe it's when you sit there and just listen to the craziness of the sound of the sandhill crane on a Monday morning. Maybe it's when we lose somebody that is so close to us, it feels like we just can't go on. And it's in those moments that all of a sudden we like wake up and we go, yeah. There really is something more, something out there. There is this whole spiritual side to my life that I have been ignoring. And in just this moment, you feel fully awake and alive like you've never felt before. And it's in that moment that we catch a glimpse of what a Makarios life looks like. It's in those moments that we feel contentment. And all of a sudden, we're freed up 
right? I'm declaring that I will not allow myself to be controlled by envy or worry or anxiety. I will not allow my life to be dictated by the grass is greener syndrome because everything I have is right here. If God takes care of the flowers in the field, then how much more will he clothe me in a Macarius life that is far beyond the beauty of Gucci or Versace? I may not have everything the world tempts me with. I may never see great wealth, but I I can be content. Because contentment is that which frees me from the stuff of this world and allows me to fully embrace my true spiritual self. It gives me clarity about what life is really about. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I may find myself. I know what it feels like to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And my God, well, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I have to tell you, this is another one of those passages that haunt me. Um, If you're new to Westridge, you may not know this, but I use my stage time here to just basically do self-therapy for all the stuff that I'm going through. And um, I have struggled with this issue of contentment for as long as I can remember. So I'm a volunteer here. I, I run a real estate development company, and I remember when I started out my career as a real estate developer, I thought, you know, if I could just do a $10 million deal, then I will have made it, right? And after I did, I felt exactly the same. And it wasn't five minutes later where I set my sights on doing a $20 million deal. And I blew right through that, and I was looking at $50 million, then $75 million. $100 million deals weren't doing it for me. And after that, I finally, after all that I had finally achieved, there just came this point where I still wasn't content, and I came to the realization that I had to deal with this. Like, I had to figure this out and get control of this thing and finally try to gain some perspective about what's really important. And that's when I tell the story. We were getting ready to buy a beach house in California, and somehow I convinced my wife to buy a house in Nicaragua instead. And so Shelby and I dove headfirst into Nicaragua. And let me tell you, you gain perspective pretty darn quick when you're surrounded by that kind of poverty. You fully understand that you are in the top 5% when you're in that environment. And so I felt like after a period of time, I finally had the secret to contentment down. And anybody who asked me how I was doing, I was always very proud to say, I am content. It was great. I was in the zone. I was in the contentment zone. But this last year, 
my discontentment raised its ugly head again. I had this uh, unique opportunity to develop something pretty extraordinary. And uh, I talked about a couple weeks ago, I've spent the last four years of my life developing this luxury residential high-rise down in downtown Houston. And it, it really is like the coolest thing that I've ever done. I think I brought some pictures for you just to see kind of what I'm talking about here. This is one of the uh, greatest high-rises that I've ever been able to develop. And it's truly, it was truly like one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for a guy like me who grew up in Chicago Heights, you know, really poor, to be able to develop something as remarkable as that. And there was just one problem. I became emotionally attached to that thing. So when our financial partner on the project, which was a hedge fund out of New York, who could care less about how beautiful that thing is, as long as it makes money, that's all they care about. Um, They wanted to close down the fund that this project was in. They wanted to basically sell it. And I'm like, heck no, you are not selling this thing. I will fight you on this thing. I am holding on to this thing. I was holding on to it like a artist who was holding on to their favorite piece of art. And so after some negotiation, they gave me the opportunity to buy them out. Well, for a hundred different reasons that I don't have time to get into, it was almost impossible to find another financial partner to step into this situation. But suffice it to say that I spent eight, eight, eight months of my life this last year being rejected by more than 30 different financial institutions. One, I mean, the biggest financial institutions in America were rejecting me like crazy. I have to tell you that uh, I'm a pretty resilient guy, but getting rejected more than 30 times, you know, it can take its toll on you, and you start to take that personally and go, really? Uh, I was pretty stressed out. I was worried. I had anxiety. I wasn't sleeping. And it was starting to have a serious effect on me. And... And it took its toll on my marriage, even. And so my wife and I were sitting quietly one evening and um, out on the porch, and she just said, Honey, I think it's just time to let that thing go. <laughs> I'm like, What? Are you crazy? What are you even talking about? I said, Do you know how much I have invested in that thing? Well, pause that moment. Freeze frame it, step away from the situation, come out of that situation and look down on it and say, mm hmm. That's the issue, isn't it? I was a little too invested. In fact, I would say that I was more invested in that building than anything else in my life. I was holding on too tight to the wrong stuff. And it was like Jesus used my wife to throw cold water in my face and say, dude, keep your eye on what's real here. You're worrying about all the wrong stuff that in the end, when the world blows, will not matter a bit. 
And it was like the light bulb went on in my head and I hated to admit it, but my wife was right. She usually is. But the only reason why I'm saying it out loud this morning is because she's not here with us today. So we will not be podcasting this message. I can just see her like getting to that point in the sermon, just like hitting play over and over and over again. So I made the decision right then and there that I was going to let go. I was going to let it go to market. I was going to let them sell it. Tough decision, but I, I let it go. I did. And here's the crazy thing. I'm not kidding you. It was like 48 hours after that that I decided to loosen my grip on this thing. And a group that had rejected me like 15 groups ago, like all of a sudden called and said, you know what, Darren, our circumstances had changed and we're ready to go. We'd like to do that deal with you. Hmm. Suspicious timing, don't you think? Could it be that God was actually trying to teach me a lesson that it wasn't until I could let that thing go that I could actually get it done? The bottom line is, as embarrassed as I am to admit it, I lost my perspective. I wasn't asking, how could I feed my kids? What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or how can I find the money to get my kids a coat for the winter. I was worried about holding on to something that I never dreamed that I could have ever done in my wildest dreams, and rather than just being grateful for getting to be a part of that thing, I wanted more. Suck, I hate myself sometimes. And it wasn't until I got a grip on the right perspective that I was able to overcome all of my anxiety and worry. But I got to tell you, the underlying issue of all of that worry and all that stress was my own discontentment. I believe that in order for us to be a contented person, There has to be this shift that occurs inside of us where we begin to desire the stuff of God more than we desire the pretty glitzy stuff of this world. And Jesus said that that shift occurs when we fully embrace this idea That we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, if we do that, everything else will take care of itself. Now, I don't believe that that means that if we seek God and that we follow Jesus, that all of a sudden he's going to give us great wealth or he's going to bless us financially or we're going to have great prosperity. I don't believe that. Or close all my deals. (laughs) What I do believe is that if we seek first his kingdom, if we choose to live counterculturally and follow Jesus so closely that we could just reach out and touch him, 
I believe he'll, he'll supply all of our needs. And I believe that we will be freed up to live that Macarios life that is way more fulfilling than just every day chasing the, the stuff of this world in the constant quest for more where we're never satisfied. I realize that the older that I get, there is this growing awareness inside of me that brings fulfillment to my life. And it's not any of the glitzy stuff of this world. The heart of my joy can be found when the winds of heaven begin to blow as I'm sitting there in the quietness of a moment and I know I know who my creator is. I know that I am a spiritual being. And in that moment, I am content to sit and know that he is God. I am content living every day grateful for the grace that God has given me. I am am content in whatever circumstance I may find myself. I am content in the belief that I have enough. And I am content and by faith believe that no matter how bad it gets, my God will meet all my needs. I believe that becoming a person who is content with what we have is the secret to living this beautiful life that is meaningful and Macario. May God grant you contentment.